Hey, what's up, guys? We have uh, Skyler is back here for a third time, I think, doing reaction videos. So what's going on, Skyler? How are you doing? Hello. I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm good. So um, you went to a wedding, right? How was that? That was, uh, yeah, it was something. It was the first wedding I've actually ever been to. So that was interesting. I, I, I thought that weddings were stupid, to be honest. But when I saw my sister walking down the aisle, I was like, I kind of realized how stupidly long wedding dresses actually are. So that was quite the sight. Where was it at? Was it like um, a nice wedding? It was in like a town hall kind of thing, like an area that's kind of used for those things. Because it's it's funded by tax money, I'm pretty sure, to be built so it can be used by the community for an affordable price. So it, it was actually an all right place. It was nice. And then we had this after party, um, which was kind of like on a farm. It was just like this beautiful view around, got drunk, did karaoke, all that fun shit. <clears throat> Someone talked about doing lines off my sister's forehead or something. Uh, it was it was a fun time. Were lines being done? Lines were not being done, but someone did like a when they were doing everyone was doing speeches. Someone mentioned doing lines off of I think my sister or her now wife's head. Was anything done? Any, Any drugs? drugs done? Alcohol was done. I assume weed was taken. Maybe cocaine, considering alcohol was involved, but. I know there was kids there, so maybe not. I don't know. I, not from my knowledge. If there was any other drugs, I wish someone told me. Were you high? You weren't. Uh, no, you you were sober. I, I was I was drunk. I wasn't high. I did want. I was kind of sad I didn't bring any two CB. That's what I wanted to do, but I didn't have any. What's two CB? It's like this. It's this drug that was made like a couple decades ago, and it's it just. It makes you really euphoric, but it doesn't have a come down. It's a light hallucinogenic, but you don't trip out mentally. You just get nice visuals unless you take like a shitload. Um, so it just feels really good and it makes everything look really like trippy. But you're for the most part sober in your mind. Did you watch Succession? Succession? The TV did... show Succession? HBO? No. Did you recommend me that last episode or something? <clears throat> No, no, no. It just every I don't know. I think that like maybe like it's like super popular here in America. I don't know if it's have you heard of it, Succession? Nope. I yeah, it's, it. it's really popular here in America. Um, but there's a scene where like the one of the sons like gets he's drunk at his sister. It just reminds me of this scene. He gets drunk at his sister's like wedding, and then he wants to get some coke, so he has like the he has one of like the workers there, like drive him to go get coke, and then I don't want to give any spoilers, but they get into like a car accident, and, and the like the guy like ends up like dying. Oh fucking hell! Yeah, it, it's it's a fucked up show. It's a good show if you get a chance. But anyways, let's just get let's just get to the um the reaction since we only have like an hour. Um. Yeah, did you want to go over anything? Oh uh, no, I'm done. Just get right in. Let's just get right into it. So we'll start off with the Republican debates. <clears throat> did you did you watch any of them? Nope. I, I as a guy, I don't usually stay up to date with politics, do I? So this is all new to me. We'll have to start doing some uh, comedy videos. That is more my fault. Uh... 
I should have had this. At Domino's, you can get more than just amazing, delicious pizza. So here's just like the highlights of the Republican debate. Yeah, I'm excited to see. They didn't seem to. Yeah, go very Welcome good. to the first debate of the 2024 presidential campaign live at Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. This decline is not inevitable. It's a choice. We need to send Joe Biden back to his basement and reverse American decline. Joe Biden has weakened this country at home and abroad. Now is not the time for on-the-job training. We don't need to bring in a rookie. We don't need to bring in people without experience. Let us be honest as Republicans. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change oh, agenda whoa, 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 whoa. is a That's hoax. Ridiculous. The climate change agenda is a hoax. And we have to declare independence for it. I've had I don't think that's going to get you any votes. Of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT. Well, it well it might it might with the Republicans. That's the thing because I don't think I don't... it's going to. I don't think with enough Republicans though. I don't think enough Republicans think that to the point where that's like beneficial to say. Do you feel like that's a? Let's just watch the whole thing and then we'll go over it. If yeah. try and remember the key points, which is only three minutes. So PT standing up here. The last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama, and I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. I am unapologetically pro-life, not because the Republican Party tells me to be, but because my husband was adopted and I had trouble having both of my children, so I'm surrounded by blessings. When it comes to a federal ban, let's be honest with the American people and say it will take 60 Senate votes, it will take a majority of the House. So in order to do that, let's find consensus. To be honest with you, Nikki, you're my friend, but uh, consensus is the opposite of leadership. When the Supreme Court returned this question to the American people, they didn't just send it to the states only. It's not a states-only issue, it's a moral issue. Don't make women feel like they have to decide on this issue when you know we don't have 60 Senate votes in the House. 70% of the American people support legislation but to ban abortion of the after Senate a baby is capable not. of experiencing okay. pain. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. Whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong, the conduct is beneath the office of President of the United States. I chose the Constitution, and I always will. I had no Vice right President to Pence. overturn the election, and Kamala Harris will have no right to overturn the election when we beat them in 2024. Thank you, Vice President Pence. All right, so it's kind of sad here. Okay, so I don't know. I don't know how much you know about like American politics, or like, like if you know who these people are. But um, basically, we got Chris Christie, we got Mike Pence, we got Vivek Ramaswamy, we have Nikki Haley. I'm trying to name all the names. Um, those are the main ones that I think spoke there. All right, then also the first guy, um, the Florida governor. What the fuck's his name? Why am I forgetting his name? Um. Do you know who I'm talking about? The first guy? Uh, no. 
Is that the Indian one? No, no. Okay, so let's just go over the. I don't know why I'm forgetting. He's like the most popular one out of all of them. He was, but anyway. So none of them are doing good. They all are like low, like three percent. I think the highest one maybe twelve percent. That's actually bothering me. I'm gonna have to go back and try and find his name. Um, this guy. Um, this is so sad that I don't fucking know, know his name. Do you know who that is? No clue. I okay. know Mike so you, Pence, and that's it. Okay, so we got Mike Pence, the the VP, and then so basically none of these people are getting good votes. I think a lot of people thought this guy, Ron, okay, Ron DeSantis. I don't know why I was blanking on his name. Ron DeSantis, he's the Florida governor. People, I think, thought that he was going to be the big contender. He doesn't. He's not doing good. People still want fucking Trump, and Trump's been indicted four times, and they still want Trump. So, and Trump, as you know, like, I, like you said before, didn't show up, and he's doing an interview with Tucker Carlson on the same night, just to kind of be like, "Fuck you," you know. So, um, what were your thoughts on, I guess, each of their takes? The first one we can go over is the the climate change one. So, yeah, I think that he's trying to be like Trump, and he's trying to say things that like the extreme right will agree with. Um, but your take is that you think that there, there's not enough people who actually believe that climate change is a hoax, right? Yeah, no. I mean, I don't know the Republican demographic of the US, so I guess I can't really say, but I feel like most people agree that there needs to be like something. Because I feel like what people like about Trump is not necessarily that they may agree with him, but that they like that he's willing to say out there things and maybe he's trying to mimic that but he just doesn't have he just doesn't have the charisma that trump has it i I shouldn't like it's weird to say trump has charisma but clearly he does you don't get to where he's at without some level of charisma yeah well everyone says that about trump about his charisma but it's like exactly it's weird to say it about him is i personally don't think he has good charisma but he, I mean, he can be funny and stuff like that, but it's like, I don't think he has, he doesn't have swagger. Like he doesn't, he's not like George Clooney or Leonardo DiCaprio or, you know what I mean? Where he's like super smooth. Like I probably wouldn't necessarily trust him or like, I don't think he'd be able to charm me, but he's able to charm, you know, half the country or whatever. So, um, and then what were some of the other, t- well, I agree with you on the climate change thing, except for the fact that there is an extreme right population here that's like i don't really want to say extreme right is like the overall but there's a lot of people who are like are really buying into conspiracy theories and climate change is a hoax and all that kind of stuff so i think he's just probably trying to play into them whether or not he actually believes that i mean i don't know but um and then what 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 are some of the other ones the girl was talking about abortion yeah i found i didn't was what she said that like sixty or seventy percent of women support pro life. Is that what she was saying? Should we re should we go over it again? Yeah, if we can find it. We'll just stop it now at um Yeah, we can stop it now. I am unapologetically pro life, not because the Republican Party tells me to be 
but because my husband was adopted and I had trouble having both of my children, so I'm surrounded by blessings. When it comes to a federal ban, let's be honest with the American people and say it will take 60 Senate votes. It will take a majority of the House. So in order to do that, let's find consensus. To be honest with you, Nikki, you're my friend, but uh, consensus is the opposite of leadership. When the Supreme Court returned this question to the American people, they didn't just send it to the states only. It's not a states only issue, it's a moral issue. Don't make women feel like they have to decide on this issue when you know we don't have 60 Senate votes in the House. 70% of the American people support legislation but to ban abortion of the after Senate a baby's capable not. of experiencing okay. pain. If former president... So yeah, he was saying 70% of the people support it i don't think that's I don't, true yeah right. i feel like that's that is no that's true because maybe yeah. it is but I, I feel like what do you know so with the roe v wade thing was that put down to a vote or was that like deciding call i don't i don't even know um yeah i don't I know from my knowledge it wasn't even like necessarily voted on it was like for i think it was like put through um, the call, I guess, or like change or something like that, but I don't think it was voted on. And then there was like a huge like opera about it. Um, there's no way it's that high, fucking not at all. But she said another thing she said is she's against, she's pro life. One, not because the Republican Party tells her. I don't think you should have to say that. I feel like that should just be, you know, the expectation that you believe what you believe not because a party tells you to believe it but because you believe it like you should go with the party that most aligns with your views not align yourself with a party you know what i mean um and then she's because she's surrounded by miracles her husband was uh, that's my cat do you do you want to chime in on abortions luna what was that <laughs> no my cat's fucking meowing at me she, I think uh, she wants to chime in. Chime, I think she's annoyed because neither of us have wombs and she does and she wants us to. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, so I feel like being against abortion because your husband was adopted is kind of retarded. <laughs> like that, I, I feel like I, should, I get where she's coming from. Like, you know, if he was aborted instead of put up for adoption, then uh, he she wouldn't have him. But it's like, I feel like that's such a shit argument. I feel like there's not really any logic there. I think it just kind of sounds like a nice sentiment. Like, oh, I'm so happy my husband wasn't murdered in the womb. Um, I feel like there is logic there. I feel, I feel like, like you say, oh, well, like, like, let's just like, if, like, if I was adopted, I might be like, well, if, you know, my, if my mother decided to have an abortion, then I would be, you know, I wouldn't be here. Like, so it's, it's kind of like, or if my, you know, like she said, her husband, you know, he wouldn't be here, you know? So, I mean, I kind of, I think there is logic to it. Obviously, I don't know what the counter would be. What would your counter be to it's, it? I guess technically there's logic to it, but I feel like the logic is very kind of, I don't know if juvenile would be the right word, but like, it's, it's not really good logic. Like it's not a good argument. Like, cause it's, it's dealing in hypotheticals where the opposite reaction actually wouldn't change anything. Because, yeah, you wouldn't be here, but you wouldn't care either. So it's like, 
And especially then, there's also equally a lot of people who've like they got put into the adoption like system. And the foster care system, like the the systems we have for like kids without parents, they are not good at all. Those kids suffer. So many of those kids suffer so badly. And if they don't get adopted, oh fucking hell. That's not they are not gonna live a good life, most likely. Like yeah. really, I'd rather I'd rather be dead than grow up in a foster care system. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, there's so many, there's so many um, on the epi- opposite end of the spectrum that, ha- like you said, have it worse. Like you can say, oh, well, my husband was adopted and he's here. But there's so many people who, like you just said, were born into the foster care system that probably would rather have not be. So, yeah, that's a good defense for it. In a world. Or against it. In a world where we have well-funded, like, foster care systems where the systems for foster care don't don't have such an increased rate of suicide for the people who grow up in them, where, you know, they're getting adopted at a high rate. And if, like, all these things are met to the point where a life for a kid who's, um, you know, put up for adoption isn't terrible, I could, I'd be more understanding of pro-life. I mean, I'm understanding of pro-life takes, although I just... I don't know if there's much someone can say to convince me of being pro-life unless they convince me to become religious, uh, which would be difficult. But then, well, no, then I, 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 the thing is, yeah. but my, my main concern on the like fucking adoption, not adoption, on the abortion thing is like, you know, it's really, I don't give, I'm going to be honest, I don't see that fetus as a kid, I don't give a f- in all honesty, I don't give two fucks about that fetus uh, before a certain point. I don't give a single fuck about it. I don't think it has human rights. I don't even care to consider it uh, worth considering at this point because I just don't give a fuck about that fetus. I'm gonna be honest. Um, and like, I care more about the mother in that case, right? It's like, okay, you know, what can the mother, what, what's best for the mother here? After a certain point, I get it. But, you know, in the first however long until whichever trimester it's maybe not okay by i'm not an expert and i'm not too clued in on that um but up until a certain point it's more about the mother what what's best for the mother and if that's aborting it fucking i don't give a fuck about the fetus yeah i mean i feel i feel kind of like the abortion thing is is one thing that i can i'm not i I wouldn't say that i can get behind but it's like one of the their issues i'm not necessarily you know i'm more for pro-choice than pro-life but it's like because of what you just said, it's more about, I think that it's, it's the woman's right to choose what she wants to do. But um, <clears throat> it's the one thing that you can, you can get like really sentimental about, like you said, like you can be like, Oh, like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a hard thing to debate basically, but overall I agree with you. Let's move on though. Cause I don't really feel like I have too much to say about that. Um, let's just see if there's anything else in this little clip and Trump we'll is on. convicted in a court of law would you still support him as your party's choice this Please part raise your hand. is yeah, pretty surprising to me yeah and then they all so, clap and then those guys well, put their hand up. Not, yeah. <laughs> you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong the conduct is beneath the office of president of the united states 
I chose the Constitution, and I always will. I had no Mr. right President to overturn Pence. the election, and Kamala Harris will have no right to overturn the election when we beat them in 2024. Thank you, Vice President Pence. So it's just my, my takeaway from this whole thing, it's, it's a very sad situation for these people like for what i want I, what i wanted to say about mike pence is you have a guy who in my opinion is probably the most upstanding at least the way he looks the upstanding you know real conservative christian type person and people don't give a shit because he did i guess because he doesn't have charisma like trump and they want trump and like you said when they asked him about would you defend trump you had three people who are literally fighting against trump here they're you know they want to win and they raise their hand and then everyone screams and then two more people put up their hand it's just yeah I it's just sad really yeah that was yeah. pretty funny <laughs> it's just sad really isn't it i mean it's like why like it's almost like why are these people even trying at this point like we know trump's gonna win i guess if he doesn't go to prison so let's let's do the um the debate night with Donald J. Trump. So they're obviously trying. Many people said you shouldn't do them, but you see the polls have come out. And um... they're obviously trying to steal the um, attention away, I guess. And in my opinion, it's kind of a shitty thing to do, but it worked. Um, one, one quick thing, too, is like, Trump seems to be a little annoyed here. Like, because I, I don't know if you know about this, but there were some things a little while back about how Tucker Carlson was, was texting about Trump, how he like didn't really like him and stuff. <laughs> so I think that Trump kind of knows that Tucker Carlson, you know, did yeah. this and like doesn't really isn't too into him. But I guess he's like he he's agreed to do this anyways because of the numbers that it'll get. So let's just watch this. I don't think, like I said before, I don't think there's like too much actual political stuff being said of this. It's, it's kind of more just like funny Trump stuff. Yeah, it's debate night, but we're not in Milwaukee. That was like an awkward. Mr. President, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Why aren't you at the Fox News debate tonight in Milwaukee? Well, you know, a lot of people have been asking me that. And many people said you shouldn't do them. But you see the polls have come out and I'm leading by 50 and 60 points. And, you know, some of them are at one and zero and uh, two. And I'm saying, do I sit there for an hour or two hours, whatever it's going to be, and uh, get harassed by people that shouldn't even be running for president? Should I be doing that? Uh, and a network that isn't particularly friendly to me, frankly. You know, they uh, they were backing Ron DeSanctimonious like crazy, and now they've given up on him. I mean, he's it's a lost cause. It reminded me very much of 2016. You know, in 2016, I went through the same stuff and had to fight them all the way, and then they became very friendly after I won, or just about when I was winning. But I just felt it would be uh, more appropriate not to do the debate. Like, first of all, he doesn't, like you said, people say he has charisma. Like, does this seem like charisma here? I mean, he's just, I mean, I know he's probably not, I think he does the charisma thing when he's on stage, but it's like, he doesn't really seem alive. You know, he's just kind of uh, like. Yeah. Well, I think he's usual charisma is in the out, like kind of the out there things he says that you wouldn't usually see someone up there. Like, like there was that one clip, I don't know if you've seen where he was like, I know the financial, like the economic system's broken because I abused the fuck out of all the loopholes and so do your friends, Hillary. And that was like a mic drop and a half. Like, I don't even like Trump, but him him being like, yeah, I know all your friends abused the fucking 
corrupt financial system because I abuse it to make shitloads of money and not pay my taxes. And he was and it, like, that was just fucking. You, that's charismatic in the sense that like some people see that level of honesty and that level of like you know yeah I, f- I fucking fuck you all over because I can and I'll keep doing it till I can't and they're like well fucking at least he's saying it you know people like find that honesty refreshing but I, I don't think he's necessarily an honest guy I think he just says what he thinks people want to hear but yeah and that's smart that if I mean he's basically like telling on himself because he knows that like that's what people want to hear even though i you know i don't agree with that type of i I don't think in any other place you want to hear that like i don't think you go to a business and the person says yeah i'm fucking i'm you know exploiting the system and our our company is exploiting the system and you should buy from us you know what i mean but it worked in his situation i don't think it's uh, right to do it uh if you're leading by 50 60 i have one problem leading by 70 points and i'm saying why am i doing it and I'm going to have eight people, 10 people, whoever made the debate. I don't know how many it is, but I'm going to have all these people screaming at me, shouting questions at me, all of which I love answering. I love doing, but it doesn't make sense to do them. So uh, I've taken a pass, as it's, you probably noticed. Oh, I, I, did, I did. I'm grateful that you did. Um, it's interesting, though, because you spent a lot of your career in television. Yeah. Um, you would a top show in television on NBC. Um, but you don't feel the need now running for president to do television, obviously. Do you think television is declining? Well, according to a poll that I guess we just saw, it just came out where it's down like 30, 35 percent. But I think they were talking referring to cable. I think cable's down because it's lost credibility. MSNBC, or as they say, MSDNC, is so bad. It's so wrong what they write and what they do and what they say it's you know it's fake news as i said i think i came up with that term i hope i did because it's a good one it's not tough enough anymore it's corrupt news you know really frightened of being impeached we're going to impeach him i don't know if you remember it yeah it's not a big moment in history but they said we're going to impeach you know they play a much rougher game the left explained how corrupt it was uh i'll tell you who did a great job was the Inspector General Horowitz, he did a phenomenal report. You didn't have to go to do it. He did it on Comey and on, I guess, McCain. I don't know. This is too long, and it's just kind of boring, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just like, um, I'll, I, I cut a clip. Let me see if I can find that. Um, so this one, he's talking about, like, how, like, the water is not strong. He's like complaining about like how the how the water in the sinks isn't strong, and it just comes across like really weird. Was like I never really noticed like the water not being strong. But one of the things I did with EPA is uh, you have states, many many states, most of the states have so much water. You know, it comes out of heaven, right? The water pours down, and you have it. it it's there. It's gotta go wherever it goes into the oceans, whatever. It's not like a big problem. Now, in some states, they have a problem. You know, you have some desert areas and all, and for that, it's okay. But they have uh, sinks where no water comes out. You turn it on, no water comes out. (laughs) No water comes out of the shower. No water is allowed to go into the washing machine for your dishes or for your clothing or what. And I avoided all of that. Wait, they have sinks where no water comes sure, out you have restrictors <laughs> when i say no water very little water you want to wash your hands right yeah and you t- you've seen this and you turn on the sink and it's very little uh, or you want to wash your beautiful hair right and 
you're standing under a shower. And the suds never go. The water comes out very one of the it's almost like what he's saying. It almost comes off like a troller. It's like, what? Like you're complaining yeah, about what, what, what the you, water? You're complaining about the water pressure, basically. And why exactly? Yeah. Oh, and sinks. And sinks are like the shower. Yeah, he's complaining about the water pressure. <laughs> All right. And they went in, in the actual thing. I don't want to take the time to find it, but they went over a little bit of um, Jeffrey Epstein, but then they also went over at the end. He goes in, like, he, like, Tucker asked him about what he did, like, with the CIA. And, like, he just, like, never really answers the que- any of the questions that he's asking them. Like, he's just kind of, like, vague about everything. Cabe and some others. And it was a vicious. Hard, it was basically a true report. How I'm gonna like try are. and find that in real time. But these yeah. people are sick. People yeah, are doing the morning like, to congratulate that's me. What they, that's the night of the election. Did her voice crack? Well, her voice was. Oh, here, here, he's, talk, here, he's, talk, here he's talking about all it. All of these Democrats that are still challenging my election. The same people that are saying he's challenging an election challenged my election. And they did it with slates. They did it with all sorts of things. They were very bad. He's talking about the corrupt election. But basically, they're suing me, and they're saying, you don't have any right to challenge it. If you challenge an election, we're going to indict you and put you in jail. So what they're doing is they're really, they've weaponized, and and don't kid yourself, the DOJ and Biden and the whole group, they're watching all of this stuff. They love the local stuff, you know, the DA in Manhattan. Not only that, they put a one of the DOJ top people into the Manhattan DA's office to run things. They don't even have a case against me. It's not even a case. Everyone says, even the Democrats say, you can't bring these cases. You have no case. The attorney general or the uh, district attorney, Fannie, Fannie Willis, in Atlanta, she's getting killed. What a name. Basically, she's saying Trump what? doesn't have the right to... What a name. Uh, yeah. ...to criticize an election. But you've been around long enough now. You've seen many elections criticized. I mean, Hillary Clinton goes crazy. Every time she talks, she says, he's not the president, Jimmy Carter said. He's not the president. Well, I am the president. Hillary Clinton called me, by the way, 3.02 in the morning to congratulate me the night of the election. Did her voice crack? Well, her voice was <laughs> it's very different, I will say. I won't get into that. But What do you mean? Her voice was very different. Uh, don't forget, they were all celebrating at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And I came home and I said, you know, I think we won. I felt we won because the rallies are so big. You know, we'd, have, we'd go to Wisconsin and we'd go to uh, Georgia. We'd go to different <laughs> states. And Michigan, we'd have rallies. In Pennsylvania, we had 58,000 people. And just like whatever he says is like flying uh, to me. Question, if you're elected president again, what's your top, your number one priority? When you ran last time, you said, I will build a wall. Now, you know, every time you see her on television, she's saying like, well, she's challenging election for good for things like uh, was begging, he was going to cash, all set, but uh, He's just going normal on. life, I will say. With that being said, I've had great loyalty also, but... Uh, the House was fantastic. The Senate was very good. Can, you know, they overrode Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, in my he opinion, just keeps going was on trying on. to get senators to yeah, impeach me, especially for the speak. second one. <laughs> and on the first one, he acted very, very slow. He should have gone much faster. He does this every but time. Mitch McConnell wanted to, and the senators went up to guys that are subservient to him because he gives money. You know, he gives them money. He, gives I wonder what money. he raises some on. money and he gives it to him, and I therefore know. they Adderall? do what he said. That's the only form of leadership he's got. Maybe. So last question. If you're elected president again, 
what's your top, your number one priority? When you ran last time, you said, I will build a wall. This time, your bottom line, top promise to the country. So you can do numerous things at the same time. Of course. But let's say number one. It's funny how he brings up the wall, but I don't even think that got like finished. Right. Is another thing about the, the wall, right? And fucking, I swear there's already a big, at least gate up. Like the wall is already there. Yeah, yeah. I you never really understood that. Wall. There's one there already. It's done. It's been there for decades. Fucking... Yeah, there's ob- there's obviously a wall. I guess he built like a bigger and better wall. I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> you know, gonna I mean? build a wall. It's gonna be bigger. It's gonna be the best. <laughs> gonna keep all the Mexicans out. <laughs> all the hardworking Mexicans. We'll just finish on this. Hundreds of thousands of criminals that have been allowed into our country, and getting them out and bringing them back to their country, Guatemala. By the way, not only the four countries that we think of as neighbors, all over the world. Last month we had 149 countries represented. Think of it. We had 149 countries represented, Tucker, from places that many people never even heard of, coming into our country. And they're coming in from mental institutions and they're coming in from prisons. From they're emptying out their prisons all over South America. They're emptying out their mental institutions. Terrorists are pouring into our they're country. They're emptying we out have their no mental idea. institutions. I had the strongest let, let border in the history of our country. And I built almost 500 miles of wall. You know, they like to say, oh, was it less? No. I built 500, 500 miles, miles of fact, wall. If you check with the authorities on the border, we built <laughs> almost 500 miles of wall. And I had another 200 that I was going to build. You know, it's like water. It seeks. And we're going to build another 200. We built it. It was all set to go. All they had to do was install it. It would have taken three weeks. And that's when I found out. I said, I think these people actually want open borders. Um, (laughs) The first thing I would do would be uh, I would seal up the border good and tight, except for people that want to come in legally. Do you think we're moving towards civil war? There's tremendous passion and there's tremendous love. Uh, you know, January 6th was a very interesting day because they don't report it properly. Uh, I believe it was the largest crowd I've properly. ever spoken before. And you know some of the crowds I've spoken before. And uh, like July 4th on the mall, uh, I think they had a million people there. A million. Uh, I, w- I, think I actually tried to fact check that and I couldn't. What's funny is that when I fact checked it, it actually came up as like he had like a bad crowd. Like it wasn't even a good crowd. So, so a million, I mean, I'd have to do more fact. I don't know if I was looking at the right one, but it's like a million people. The biggest crowd I've ever spoken before was on January 6th. And people that were in that crowd, a very, very small group of people. And we said patriotically and peacefully, peacefully and patriotically, right? Nobody ever says that. Go peacefully and patriotically. <laughs> but the people that were in that crowd that day, very small group of people, went down there and then you there are a lot of a lot of scenarios that we can talk about but people in that crowd said it was the most beautiful day they've ever experienced there was love in that there was love and unity love in that i have never seen such spirit and such passion and such love and i've also i don't know about love man i mean they seem pretty angry when they were going into the capital i'm angry but it's still a collective effort. Like it's still, I'm not granted. <laughs> I don't know enough about January 6th to condone or not condone it. Granted, regardless of what I say, I'm safe because I'm not in the US. 
Um, but like, I I don't know. Yeah, anytime you do anything, whether it's a political movement or whatever, with a large group of people, there's you as he as he says that there's unity there, and with unity, you have to have some degree of trust and or love in there with the people you're marching with or doing whatever with. Um, maybe instead of love, I guess you could. There's this thing called collect collective effervescence, which is the feeling you get when you're in a large crowd of people all focusing on one thing, one goal or anything like that. And you kind of feel a connection to everyone around you. And then the crowd kind of starts acting like one entity. Um, there's that unity there. So maybe not love, but definitely a sense of unity and collaboration. And, you know, there's something there that's like, you know, camaraderie. Yeah. yeah. Like a collective unconscious. Um, right, is now what they call it where like every everyone just kind of of the same, or is that like a different term? That's the same mind. That's a different. T- I get it's like I get what you mean, but that's a different term. That's yeah. like the collective unconscious is the kind of similar ideas that we all collectively share in our unconscious mind and like symbols and stuff. But like collective effervescence yeah. is just that like when you're like at a concert and everyone around you is dancing and like just getting pumped up and you're kind of, you all feel connected. Yeah. Like that's like collective. But, never, ne- but nevertheless, it was still to go. And I'm not even really saying that it was that bad. Like, well, I don't really know. I was going to say they didn't really hurt anybody, but I think some people did get hurt, but it's like, it's like, like if, I don't know, like if you're, if you're in a situation, situation where it's like, you're all working together to like burn down a building or something. It's like, I don't know if I would necessarily, I see what you're saying. Like you're all, doing it to i don't know if i'd call it love you know like you would all have the same emotion but the emotion could be like anger or like hate you know what i mean like um i, I don't even necessarily think that this was that bad i don't think that they were like hate yeah maybe hateful. love is the right it, word but no yeah, I think yeah all yeah. anger though like like that... like unity like unity right like um you, like similar emotions but maybe yeah. not love well well the thing is at the same time that i feel like anger and like all these kind of emotions that like causes i think they stem they have to i feel like they they always stem from some kind of love like there's always like so they they love let's say the idea of the country that they have and then that idea is being you know torn down and so they do something about it they're angry but why they're angry they're angry as a reaction to something that's happening to something that they love and care about and like i feel like it always does stem from a place of love true but that can be justified for anything like you can justify yeah. someone like killing yeah. people and say oh well he's just like a mass murderer well, i'm not saying it's born out of love well i'm not saying it's justified like, i'm not saying it's justifying what they've done you can do terrible things out of love but like i think yeah, i think I all bad, i think all negative action stems from love at the core of it um, but that doesn't necessarily like, that doesn't necessarily justify it. But it, I get where he's coming from. Yeah, that's a whole other thing that we could go into. But let's just finish this off, and then um, and from the same people, such hatred move on. of what they've done to our country. So, do you think it's possible that there's open conflict? We seem to be moving I, I towards don't something. Know. I don't know because I don't know what it. You know, I, I can say this. Uh, there's a level of passion that I've never seen. There's a level of hatred that I've never seen. And that's probably a bad combination. Donald Trump, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Very much. What I, do you think about the bad combination? By bad the way. combination. <laughs> thank bad you. combination. Terrible combination. <laughs>
Hatred and passion, bad combination. Money. He gives them a lot of money. He raises some money and he gives it to them, and therefore they do what he said. That's the only form of leadership he's got. So, last question: If what do you think about the Civil War question? Do I think America's close to a civil war? State of Georgia for Thomas Jefferson and his president. I don't know. I didn't ask him for that. Could have done that too, but I didn't. I thought that would be turmoil. I asked him to send him back. I don't. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find the clip I want. I should have just clipped it. But I think I don't know because this is like I feel like every single generation has a has counterculture movements, multiple plural. There's always one that kind of kind of gets pinpointed as the main one that happens. Um, but I think I think every generation has multiple counterculture movements, and I feel like every counterculture movement. There's at least one every single time that's like down with the system. I hate this about the system. I hate that. But like, I feel like it, I, and I'm not in America, so I don't know. And I feel like people kind of are romanticizing the idea of a civil war a bit, especially some younger people. Uh, but I think that's kind of normal when, for younger people to fantasize about rebellion. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's viable in the long term for people to really stick to something like a civil war because things have to be happening bad enough for enough people to tear down the entire structure that allows them to live the comfortable lives they live like yeah some things are fucked up yeah there's some injustices yeah there's some corruption but also we have uber eats and we have uber and we have all these stores that are around us and we have all these you know we have the internet and all these super accessible comforts and things. And I don't think people are ready to give that up. And that's what you have to give up if you want to tear down the structures that your society has built and rebuild them. You have to give that up for a few generations. Yeah. I think that it's, I think that it's bullshit. I think that people don't want to give that stuff up. Um, I don't think that civil war is a good idea. I think that things are fine here. In my opinion, I know that people disagree with me but it's like what's going on isn't that big of a deal it could be a lot worse it could be like russia so um i'm gonna i'm trying to find out what nice but... to pence i've never heard you oh, criticize he pence. pence you've defended him in public many many times he's out there attacking you um what is that so you, mike wants pence to run a little president. Bit. you gotta understand in my opinion mike pence had the absolute right to send the votes back to the legislatures uh, the Democrats and everybody said, you don't have the right. In other words, what I said, is he a human conveyor belt? You mean, if he finds fraud in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, in any of these states, Arizona, he has to send them to Mitch McConnell, right? That's right, sir. Well, if he finds fraud, he has to? Yes, sir. I said, so he's just, so he's a conveyor belt. Boom, put him in. I said, I don't I don't know. It's his his answers are too long, and he's he's playing. I feel like he normally doesn't, but he's kind of playing politician here, where he's like saying he's not really talking shit. He's just saying the right things. Um, so let's do the the one that I asked you about, which was Sean, so. I think I asked you before about Sean. It's just Carroll. logically wrong, right? In by the rules of logic. Um, unfortunately, this isn't a video. All right. Well, so let's drive. So Sam Harris is probably one of my favorite guys out of these types of guys. Sean Carroll also, but Sean Carroll is like a physicist. So he's not really like a debater or philosopher for the most part, but he's really smart. And they are, um, 
I guess debated on moral realism. I honestly have a hard time understanding what they're talking about. So hopefully you'll be able to explain it. So let's watch this one. Let me know if you want me to stop it anytime. To the area that I think more concerns me, and it is the area we've disagreed about in the past, which is the, the status of things like values and claims of right and wrong and good and evil, the ethics in, in the natural order. You have made much of this notion that you've derived from from Hume that you can't get an ought from an is. But perhaps you want to you prop that up. Like I, in the past, in my book, The Moral Landscape, and in, I think it was the, the TED Talk I gave that you reacted to way back when, it was 2010. I claim to- Oh my God, it's 2010, really? 2010, <laughs> yes. That's how quickly time flies. Right. So I claim that we, you can make ultimately rigorous scientific claims about right and wrong and good and evil. And I was arguing for a kind of what I would call a moral realism, which is to say that there are facts about the well-being of conscious creatures, which, is, which can serve everything we could conceivably mean by right and wrong and good and evil. And these are naturalistic facts, and you can be right and wrong about them. And realism, in, in this sense, is the fact that there is a reality, whether you understand it or not. Your claims about it can be more or less right or wrong. It's possible not to know what you're missing. And I extend that to the domain of questions of value, right? And you are a fan of Hume's parsing of this matter. So perhaps give, give me the reasons why not from the Hume side, and then we can... Sure. I think that there's two slightly different claims. Um, one would be the claim that you can derive ought from is, which I think is just manifestly wrong. Uh, very, that's, that's just logically wrong, right? In, by the rules of logic, garbage in, garbage out. Values in, values out, facts in, facts out. By using the rules of deductive logic, you cannot derive conclusions about properties that did not somehow appear in the axioms or the premises from which you did your logic. Uh, so I think that's just a non-starter. Now, just to unpack that a little more. So yeah. the, the claim, Hume's claim was that there's no description of the way the world is. There's no f factual description of the universe which can tell you how it ought to be or how you should act within it, right? So it's, it's the, the oughts and shoulds get smuggled in. You have to add something that you want. You have to have, add a goal, say, and then on your account, science can tell you how to reach that goal. But the goal is something that you, the value-laden goal is something that you are smuggling in. That's right. So Hume, you know, I feel bad because, uh, Late in life, I realized that Hume should have been my hero all along. One of the very few shortcomings of my philosophical undergraduate education was that I was at a Catholic university and Hume was the bad guy. So I didn't realize until much later that Hume was the good guy. Um, and however, bless his heart, he was not the clearest writer all the time. And he was the clearest thinker, but he was also mischievous. So he would make his points via dialogue or sarcasm or jokes <laughs> and the is and ought uh, analysis is exactly that he's he's it, it's not his you know most definitive careful logical piece of writing because basically he's making fun of people who he thinks are making this mistake he says i'm i'm reading people writing about what is true and is true in that yeah that's what he was aiming at and then suddenly it's about what ought to be true and it didn't come from anywhere and so he kind of implies that you can't do it 
And so I think that's right. I think that uh, the, the conclusion, I would, in that case, I would believe the strong conclusion, namely that in order to derive conclusions about what ought to be true or what should be true or what is morally right, we have to include in our theory an assumption or an axiom that relates to values, that relates to what is good and what, what ought to do. I think that is a straightforward computational science claim. That you All right, so what I'm getting here is... About 10 seconds. Yeah. Sorry, I just gotta... Include in our theory an assumption or an axiom that relates to values, that relates to what is good and what, what ought to do. I think that is a straightforward computational science claim yeah. that you can't do the logic from there. Now, even if you believe that claim, which everyone should believe... Uh... What I'm getting so far is that Sam Harris feels like there there is natural values and morals in the world, and Sean Carroll doesn't? Yeah. Well, so... Sam Harris yeah. says you can derive an ought from an is, which means you should be able to derive what ought to be from how things, how something is. So, like, for example, uh, red has to be red ought to is ought to be red because the vibra the way light like frequencies bounce off it, the way that is is in the vibrations of something being red. Um, if that makes sense. So, like, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and then what the other guy's saying, the best in summary, because I wrote this down, and what he said at the end is, in order to derive something that ought to be, we must include in the th um in fucking we must include an assumption in that theory of what ought to be. So, like let's say with ethics you have this is just my understanding i could be completely wrong um in ethics let's say you have if you're trying to figure out morals or ethics or something it's not just about what is because you also have to take on the assumption of what you're considering the goal is with the moral values so like if you're it's kind of like the rules of a game so if you're playing like monopoly there's a whole set of rules and you know stuff that you follow to play the game fairly whereas if you're playing i'm fucking no cluedo there's a whole different set of rooms to play the game fairly because there's different goals and there's different um things that are set up that you're going to be interacting with so from my understanding what sean carroll is saying is that you have to make an assumption of some kind of assumption, whether it's what the goal is or what is the right thing originally to surround, to center your morals around, to even start coming up with an ethical framework, as opposed to just being able to derive an ethical framework from how things objectively are. Yeah, I think that, that I, I think sense. that I would actually agree probably with Sean Carroll over. Sam Harris on this one, which I would almost think that they would have like reverse takes here. But um, so basically like what Sean Carroll is saying is like, there really is no moral, there is no, um, there are no like morals. Right. Whereas Sam Harris is saying there are morals like built in. Right. Like, um, yeah. Okay. So should we, should we, you want to keep watching or. Uh, we can do. Yeah. I'm done. Um, 
you could still argue about moral realism versus anti-realism. It's totally possible to be a moral realist and a moral objectivist and still admit that you can't derive a lot from it. Yeah, so I've always viewed that little bit of Hume, and again, it is kind of an aside. It's not something he argues for at length, and yet people have made much of it in philosophy and in science. I viewed it as a kind of semantic trick which need not confine our thinking about these things. It's a little bit like Zeno's paradox. Zeno says, you know, in order for an arrow to hit its target, it must move halfway to the target and then halfway again and halfway again, and ergo it never arrives. But of course, arrows don't have to fly that way. Arrows can just fly all the way to the target. And if you want to add, if you need mathematics where you sum the infinite series or you do find some way of nullifying that argument, fine. But it's set up as a, and it took hundreds of years for people to figure out why it's wrong. But it is just, it's an unnatural constraint imposed by, in that case, just the, the geometry of the situation. In Hume's case, it's just the meaning we're giving words like ought and should versus is. Now, I think, so let's, the other way to, to come at it from my point of view is you can give up all notion of ought and should. Let's say we're, we're in the universe and there is no ought or should, or let's discover the oughts and shoulds. I mean, one, one question I have, which doesn't originate with me, I think many people oppose it this way, but if, if all the facts, if all the is claims in the universe aren't enough to give you some guidance as to how you ought to live, just what could give you that guidance, right? I mean, we're talking about the totality That's of all facts. That's in my facts. book. Yes, yes. So <laughs> I think Dan Dennett has made this point and, and others have. So that's worth wondering, right? It's like what, what extra piece you know, would you be hoping for? But let's say there's no such thing as ought or should, or let's start there. It seems pretty clear to me that the ground truth of our circumstance as conscious beings is first consciousness. The, the, the something seems to be happening where there's an experiential character to this place. And this experience admits of a range of possibilities that we are, you know, we have all dimly discovered parts of this range. We, we have had excruciating experiences and sublimely happy experiences, and we are trying to navigate toward the latter and away from the former, and helplessly trying. It's like, this is, the values come in, put your hand on a hot stove, you will discover your value to get your hand off of it very early. You don't have to be reasoned into it. This is as incontrovertible as anything you can experience. There are certain things that you will just want to avoid. And so to take a more abstract picture, there is consciousness. There's the totality of actual and possible conscious minds that are open to this range of conscious experience. And the only thing I think I need to be a moral realist and for science ultimately to be the framework in which we talk about right and wrong and good and evil, is to concede that the worst possible misery for everyone is bad, right? If, any, if we should avoid anything, if we should do anything, we should get away from the worst possible misery for everyone. Every other state of the universe is better than that. If words like good and bad and better and worse are going to mean anything ever, having every possible conscious mind suffer as much as it possibly can for as long as it can to no good end. There's no silver lining. There's no lessons learned. This is just hell, right? That's bad and worth avoiding. And the answers as to how the minds involved would avoid this state are all ultimately scientific. We were talking, I mean, in our case, we're talking about 
everything from genes on up to economic systems. We're talking about neurochemistry, we're talking about psychology, sociology, politics, whatever fact-based discussion we can have about how creatures like ourselves can flourish. That, and again, this is a, you and I may define science slightly differently. I'm not talking about narrowly operationalized lab-coded science, or I'm not talking about the equations we can write now to describe these systems. I'm not talking about data we necessarily can get right now with the machines available, but a fact-based discussion about all of the variables that spell the difference between excruciating and pointless misery on the one hand and sublimely creative, beautiful, joyful, as good as it gets conscious states on the other. And again, we don't, we don't know how far the horizons go in both directions. And this is why this is realism. Undoubtedly, there are horizons of conscious experience that we will never even imagine exist, but are possible for minds very different from our own. And we may one day build the artificial intelligences that experience. I feel like it's going on too long. So what's your take on this? <clears throat> um, it's it's kind of odd because in a weird way, I agree with both of them in the sense that, so I think I agree that you can derive art from is, like in the sense that I think I think subjectivity um, kind of arises out of just in- incredibly complex, nuanced, objective systems, if that makes sense. Like, I think everything can be objectively stated and understood, but I think subjectivity enters the picture when um, our when something that we're trying to analyze or understand uh, or make sense of is so complex and has so much nuance to it to the point where we can't take in all the information to understand it objectively, um, if that makes sense. And so in a sense, I agree with the fact that morals are subjective in that. I, I agree with that morals can be subjective in the sense that I think reality can present itself in an infinite number of ways therefore morals can arise in an infinite number of ways making them subjective um because you also have to take into account how things are perceived because if we are taking into consideration as sam harris says better and worse people perceive different things as better and worse so not only do we have the objective world but we have all these different perceptions of this world happening um with vastly different naturally occurring each objective moral frameworks popping up in their own perceptions. Um, and those are going to clash and stuff, obviously. Um, so I think it's subjective in the sense that I think subjectivity is just an incredibly nuanced amount of objectivity, but it's objective in the sense that I think everything kind of has an objective conclusion to it, but that the conclusions are infinite therefore you can infinitely go with any specific conclusion meaning that it's you can go with any answer which is therefore subjective if any of that makes sense i mean i I, it's pretty confusing i don't think i'll be able to i think i got what you were saying but like basically like it's kind of like what you're saying if you had if you had all of the information like there's there's too much information to have in order to understand um, yeah, but if you had all the, if you were able to have all the information, you think that we would be able to come to like a correct answer? 
to a degree, if we had all the collect correct information, if we could perceive all of it, then I think you could come up with an objective answer. But at the same time, because the world is perceived in a different way by every single conscious being, each different world that exists in each different person's mind is going to have different conclusions that come out of the way in which that thing exists in relation to this insanely complex structure because everything has its role like you can't say objectively um like so bigger we know like the physics and quantum physics they react differently so like the, the quantum shit um doesn't have to act in the same way that the large shit does even though they're both part of the same world do you know what i'm saying so like my moral system doesn't have to align with your moral system and they can both be objectively true in the way we should act as our part of who we are as this piece of this whole system um but it doesn't have to align as the same thing it just has to be true to this piece of the universe that we are yeah i mean well in terms of just like morality in general can't you pretty much say like if if you're religious and you believe in god then god has kind of given us morals to follow but if you're not religious then there really are no morals can you can you simplify it that much like to basically be like if I don't think so, no. Because well, but if there if there's no God, if if we just came about by the Big Bang and evolution, why why would there be morals? Like, well, why would there no be anything? One... Well, no, but I mean, moral morals is something that humans have kind of just made up, right? So, like, we've like I have my oh. morals, you have your morals, but like, there's no there's no universal morals, right? Because. But- like you but said, someone sorry. someone else's morals might be different than mine. So there's there's no we can't like come to a conclusion on this is right and this is wrong because there's no God that's told us that, right? But the thing is, the morals that we develop they stem from somewhere, like they grow from something. So like let's say originally morals were stemming from the fact of like it is. Let's say me and you were primal fucking motherfuckers out in the wild. We bump into each other. We decide it's going to be mute. It's going to be mutually beneficial for us to work as a team and develop this like tribe. We find other people, we bring them in and we develop this tribe. Morals start to develop to keep us getting along with each other. I that's that would be my guess as to why we develop some kind of ethical framework. Um, you know, so we get along, we don't annoy each other, we don't fucking kill each other. Um, but and that seems like something that we've made up and in a way we've made it up, but it also does stem from the reactions of like, we're in this environment where the external environment is dangerous to us. That's an objective fact of how things are. And so because of that, that pushes us to work together. And because we've been pushed to get to work together because of these pre-existing things as a kind of effect of this cause, uh, as, as a kind of causal effect thing, then we are forced to create these um, morals and ethical frameworks so we can get along and yes we've made that up but that is a reaction that the kind of um you know that the universe has done it's not just that we did it we've done it as a part of um the natural order of the way in which the universe falls into place because we are yeah but i don't know i don't know if i would necessarily still say that's like morals I, i feel like that's like more of like a 
cultural understanding of or like maybe laws you can say like i don't feel like laws are necessarily morals like one law doesn't necessarily right and another law is necessarily wrong um i'm talking about like just true right and wrong like who 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 says what is right and what is wrong and mm, what you're talking about is more of like let's let's um agree to live by a set of laws which i don't think are necessarily the same as morals no because well, the thing is with laws is the point of laws is to maintain what we say is we have laws so we can maintain justice, we can bring justice. And why would you need to bring justice, right? You find out whether someone's innocent or guilty. If they're innocent, then, you know, what does that imply? If they're guilty, what does that imply? If they're guilty, then they've at least definitely, from this system we've created, the point was meant to at least be that they've done something wrong. And if they're innocent, that means they either haven't done something wrong or they haven't done something wrong enough to deserve any justice to be taken. Um, so but it's I think, like maybe I think... they've done something wrong in the eyes of the majority, I guess, but it's like, they haven't necessarily like, what's the word when, what's the word like when it's um, there's stuff that like we've made up and there's stuff that's like kind of like natural law or whatever um i forgot what the word i'm thinking of is but basically like anything that we've like we've basically made up our own morals it's not natural like a social construct yeah like a social construct but there's another word too i'm I'm forgetting it but um basically yeah take a social construct that we've what i'm talking about is more like a kind of like a natural law like there's there's no there's real no natural law among animals right it's just like we've made up the the law system and some people might agree with the system and some people might not agree with the system. And not only that, but somebody, if somebody gets charged guilty, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are guilty. It just means that, you know, a group of individuals, well, a jury decided that they were, but would you, would you, would you agree that there are laws that the universe follows? Like there are laws of the universe. Well, only the, the physical laws of the universe, right? I mean, those are like the yeah. really only laws, right? Is the physical well, laws of the universe, the gravity, and that has nothing to do with morals, right? But if there are physical laws of the universe, and and do you, I assume you also believe that we are made of that physical stuff. We are made of the physical matter. Yeah. So therefore, are we and everything else not dictated by those physical laws, including the constructs that we create, stemming out of that? Yeah. So therefore, if those physical laws are objective, then everything is objectively necessarily created as part of the causal effect chain of the universe in physics. But like, just because we created something doesn't necessarily mean that it's you know it's kind of like the same thing with yeah just because we created something doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's a natural law i think anything maybe the word natural isn't the right word but i think everything that happens is it's a part like we we like to separate ourselves from like the natural way of how things are and stuff but at the end of the day we are a product of everything that is natural and in the same way bees create honey and um you know fucking beavers create dams we create technology and medicine and we create all these things like it's no different we just do it on a more like kind of complex scale but it's the same thing and each different one of those things including us and the bees 
are all doing it as a natural causal effect response to just the natural physical laws of how things are. Yeah, but I still don't think that that like justifies a right or a wrong because kind of going back to what they were saying, it's like what we were talking about, what they were saying is it's like there is um, what's right for one person might be wrong for another person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just because I think it's wrong to steal, let's just say, someone else might think it's not wrong, right? Well, so who's but, right in that situation? But can only one of them be right? Does either one of them have to be wrong or right? Well, no, that's the main thing, though. That's the main question with the morals, is is there is there a wrong or a right? I guess from that question, is it all right or is it all wrong or is there some that are right? Because either there's some that are wrong and some that are right or they either all have to be wrong or all have to be right or all just be neutral. And if they're all neutral, get off the keyboard, then they might as well all be considered right. And then you could claim, well, murder is right or child rape is right or whatever. Which I know, let me clarify, I'm not trying to trap you in a corner here. I very much know you do not think child rape is right. <laughs> no, 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 I, I know, but that, that's the whole thing, though, is you can go back to some cult. I mean, I don't know if any cultures really think that murder or child rape is right, but I I know that, like, back in, you know, where was it, Greece or something, like, you know, um, Romans would molest kids, right? And it's like, or whatever, like, and they didn't really necessarily think it was wrong, right? I mean, I'm sure some mm-hmm. cultures that type of stuff happens and they don't necessarily think it's wrong. And especially if you go way back in the day, like, yeah, like, um, there's cultures now that will, um, I think they think if you, it's, it's fucked up. I shouldn't laugh. Uh, they think if you rape an old woman, you gain her wisdom. And if you, then if you rape a child, I think they think you gain their innocence. I think, very fucked up, but that that's like a modern day thing that happens in some. I think a, some South African tribes. I may be getting that wrong though. Well, that's um, what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like, if in certain tribes, it's okay to do these certain things. Yeah. Who makes so, them wrong and who makes us right? Yeah, it's it's weird, and this is where it's like I don't know because it's weird because as I said earlier, I think there is. I think it's both objective and subjective in different ways i i think if you kind of follow along a path of one argument long enough you will just end up back at the other argument but then if you keep following it you end up back at the other so i think i don't think there's i guess there's both there both isn't isn't ever a right or wrong answer i don't think yeah well that that was that that's the original question and it's like of course i think that you know raping children or killing somebody or is wrong like I, i'm just arguing yeah that i'm Arguing the other side, what I'm saying is I don't think there's necessarily any universal moral right or wrong. I think that there is, we've made our own, we've come to our own decisions as a culture and society and even individual, but I don't necessarily think that there's someone, you know, above judging, saying you did the right thing, you did the wrong thing, right? I think, I think it's all right. I think that everything that does happen necessarily had to happen. So I think it's all right well it's not necessarily all right it just all kind of is i mean i see what you're saying 
but it's not necessarily a right or wrong. I think it just, it just, it just is. Right. It, it is. Yeah. It kind of is just what it is, but yeah. it, it is also for everything to exist, how it is. I think everything had to be the way it is and go the way it is. So I, I guess I'm putting value on things being, I guess, which isn't inherent and is also subjective. So yeah, I guess it just is, it's kind of all neutral. Yeah, I could go down this rabbit hole forever. Yeah, this got I weirdly wanna... fucking philosophical, almost. Which no, I I like, but it's like I don't I don't want to take up the whole time doing that unless. Yeah, I feel like I just took acid. Oh no, I, I like those debates for sure. But um, let's just really so here's one of Matt finally get to Matt Walsh. And there's really <laughs> nothing. Transgender. There's nothing it's to really made. say. <laughs> really. Cool so through the media. from this clip, whole interaction. It's fantastic. Mocking. So, so I have to mention so this. I'm, I don't really know much about what's actually going on here. I'm assuming he'll get to it, but basically, there's like some sort of like climate change activists who show up. I think at um, you know what Burning Man is? Yeah, yeah. They show up at Burning Man. I don't really know why they would show up there. I don't know if they were part of the crowd or what what they were even doing. But um, like a cop or like a ranger or whatever shows up and just like kind of like rhymes through their stuff and then like it's really weird but like matt walsh is basically kind of like laughing at it which to me is very also very weird because it's kind of just sad so we'll watch this you've probably seen it by now but uh i'm well look i'm a sucker for heartwarming videos uh i just am that may surprise you to learn about me but i i'm uh I'm a, yeah I, I i i love the heartwarming like anytime i see one of those videos that comes up um on the feed of uh you know like a, a a young child getting a hearing aid for the first time and hearing his mother's voice for the first time. Uh, very heartwarming. I always stop and watch those videos to warm He's my such cold, a, such dead a sweet, heart. nice guy. And, um, what a, yeah, what a good, but of all the heartwarming guy. videos I've seen online in recent <laughs> weeks, I think none were quite so, um, so nice as this one. Let's, let's watch it together. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did anyone get that? Yeah. Get out now! Get out! On the ground! On the ground now! Get on the ground! I don't know why he's doing that. It seems a little unnecessary. Yeah, incredibly. Did he just knee her? Uh, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. Uh, like I said, I'm just I'm a sucker for these kinds of videos. So that was the that was the tribal police in Nevada dealing with climate protesters who were blocking the highway, and as you can see, they just ram right through the barricade. Uh, they throw the protesters on the ground, cuff them, drag them off, while they cry and whine. We're nonviolent. It's just fantastic to see, and there are a bunch of other videos like this from different angles, um, and uh, you can see the whole interaction. It's fantastic. Uh, I love every second of it. It's worth watching all of it.
And the great thing is that the protesters themselves are the ones who filmed this and posted it, thinking that we would sympathize with them, that we would watch this and go, look at what those mean police did. That's yeah, terrible. That's what I'm thinking, honestly. Except, except that literally... Yeah, ex- exactly. It's like, like... Everyone... I get, like... I get fucking, like, environmental protesters. Or just protesters in general can be fucking annoying, right? I get that. And I get being a bit angry. But, like, fucking, like... They are people. And they, they do have... They, they're trying to fight a good cause. They may be doing it in a disruptive way. They may deserve... So, like, you know, some if some bad shit happens when you're protesting, some to a certain degree, it's like fair game because you kind of put yourself in harm's way to a degree. But that was too far. Like, he had her on the ground already, and I'm pretty sure he still decided. I think I, what we saw was him kneeing her. Like he hit her with his knee, even though she was already on the ground. Like yeah, they were unarmed. <laughs> they were probably like. To like early 20s mid 20s at most fucking unarmed probably not very i mean not to be sexist but they're women and he's an armed cop like fucking you know and and a male so it's like they're not much of a threat let's be honest like it's so unnecessary yeah for sure and i kind of want to um I don't know if he goes into like why they were protesting exactly i kind of like i said i kind of feel like it had to do with the with the um the Burning Man Festival, but it's weird. Was the Burning Man Festival? I would think, if I, I might be getting this wrong, but I would think that that would be like a a climate change festival. So I don't really know why well, they were trying to like block that, unless they're like actually using too much. I don't know is, energy or something. The thing is with the Burning Man Festival. Hello, with the Burning Man Festival is it is a lot of hippies and stuff. But I know they they probably have a lot of campfires. There's a lot of smoking, I, I imagine, going on. Um, there's a lot of they they burn a huge fucking like they have this these huge statues that they burn the fuck. They just like completely set alight at the end of it, which I, I imagine isn't too great for the environment. Um, I don't know so if maybe... like burning. I don't know if burning anything is necessarily bad. Is it? I mean. Yeah, uh, you, you. Well, I mean, obviously, obviously, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, like a forest fire, but like if you're burning something in the middle of like the desert, which also probably is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, I don't, I don't, I don't think that like just, just, just burning. Like as long as you're not burning down trees or like burning out a house or like you're not. Like, I think it's. I don't think it's bad for the environment necessarily, is it? Yeah, it, it is. But like, as again, even if it's only a little bit bad for the environment, like think like these climate change protesters, they're not like really protesting anyone that can really do much. They can only protest who they're able to protest, and who that is is like the you know your daily whoever the fuck you're not your normal person. I mean, people going to Burning Man aren't the most normal people, but you know what I mean, like the average person um yeah but realistically we can do as much as we can do as uh as you know regular civilians but it's really down to like the huge corporations to chill out on their uh shit that's me. yeah i'm 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 actually kind of surprised that more people aren't like really going after these big corporations and it's like i know you can say oh well they have so much money but it's like it seems like you could do a lot of damage 
right to like to like amazon like an amazon warehouse or like a walmart um i mean obviously like you could get caught you could get in trouble but it's just i'm surprised more people aren't kind of like who work for these places aren't just like fuck this i'm just gonna like fucking um you know um what do you call it vandalize vandalize their shit right i mean yeah, I mean, they, I remember they tried to vandalize the Mona Lisa. That didn't go too well. Honestly, well, that's the thing. Like, is like that's the thing. Is like you said, they're kind of going after things that like aren't a good idea. Like the Mona Lisa isn't a good idea, but it's like in a fucking museum. I mean, and and not only not only that, but I don't I don't really. Yeah, but it's, I don't really see what was their issue with the Mona Lisa. It was like something with like the the oil or something that it was that was used. Like I don't get I'm like why sure. they went after the. I don't know why they went after the Mona Lisa. Like it's such like, an old painting. Um, but it's like in general, because I mean, I've worked for shitty companies and I've gotten fired from shitty companies. And it's like, dude, when I leave, I want to do something and I'd say I haven't, but I'm surprised more people aren't kind of like, fuck this. I'm going to fucking randomize this shit. But I, I just kind of want to see what, I don't really want to listen to any more of him, but I want to see if he explains like why they're doing it. Who saw these videos said, wow, that's awesome. Good for those cops. That's great. Well done. And this is how and I guess it was. It sounds deal. like it was tribal police. So the tribal police are kind of just using their own laws to get shit done. Maybe I don't know. With these clowns everywhere, no patience, no mercy. Throw them in cuffs and drag them away. Ram through the barricades for having like a uh, and just protest? deal with them like that. It, it, it's all great, and it's great because for one thing, okay, blocking the road is not nonviolent. You are using physical force. You're using your own bodies to impede the movements of thousands of people. That is not nonviolent. And you have no idea where those thousands of people are going or where they need to be. They could be going to the hospital with a sick child. You know, you don't know. Not to well, mention, you're trapping all these people in, in their honest. cars in, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> in the heat out in the desert. So, yeah, that's a violent act, and it should be treated as such. Before giving our dog rough greens, he was so sad and lazy. Well, now he actually enjoys his squeaky toy. The health of every dog in America. A little back to life. The dog feed just piece of shit. Jumps our trial back. Eight four four. Shutting these a holes down. Everyone loves it. There was a there's a climate protester group called Climate Defiance, and they posted that video that I just showed you, with an outraged caption that says, "Words fail. Words utterly fail." Today, a police truck plowed into a peaceful climate blockade. These are the people entrusted to keep us safe. These are the people we've granted a monopoly on the use of force. How is this okay? And the thing is, every single comment responding to that post, every single one was like, it's okay with me. Looks great to me. I'm sure. That's how everyone feels. Okay, if you were to put this video in front of all 330 million people in the country, it's guaranteed that at least 329,999,993 of them would love the video. Okay. Very close to 100%. We don't, so. And why is that? Well, because the average person is sick of this. They're just sick of it. Um, the thing is, the average no, they're person not. You know, I think like 10 it. years ago. Yeah, I've, maybe, I've never encountered it. That same exact video Either. might get a slightly, I, I think still most people would be on the side of the cops, but there might be a few more people who you. would see that video 10 years ago and say, oh, that was a little excessive. Come on, you don't have to do that. Um, 
But these days, people are sick. They're tired of the lawlessness. They're tired of these kinds no, of not. jerks interfering with your day for no reason. Uh, they're tired of people who make your life harder you know and more miserable just because they can. Climate change protesters. They're tired of the lack of accountability. The fact what that would you stop know people these annoying climate change protesters if you know big fucking fuck off corporations spent like the fucking maybe two years it would take them to stop destroying the planet with all these unethical ways of producing shit. That would stop all of it. That would end, that would just end it all. We'd we'd be all happy on that front if you know. Yeah. We just stop destroying. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they're are they. I don't know if they're able to stop it, right? Because they're at least able to. They've done. Reduce it. They're able to heavily reduce it, but they've created so many warehouses at this point in like different areas that it's like I don't know. I mean, obviously they can they can obviously reduce it, but um, in order for them to do what they want to do. I don't know. I, I just, I just kind of want him to like tell why and just do whatever if, they want. This is the Burning Man, uh, and the law man, is not enforced. But I don't think he's going to say that. They're sick of it, and they're ready for uh, some, some, uh, some tough love. The people are some, fed up. some rough and tumble. That's what they're ready for. And I think Republican politicians would do well to take note of that. That is the the mood. That's the national mood right now. One where people just want law and order. That's what they want. I get law and order every day. That's what we should always want. Day. But uh, especially now, that's what people want. Hey, YouTube, thanks for listening to the show. I I don't... I think... I don't know. hmm. I think sometimes it's necessary to disrupt the law and order shit, if you know... If someone came into your house and started like where you lose your picks if you switch to Android? Turning up the heat until it would set on fire in the next few decades. It's all good. It's pretty With easy off, data transfer. Kind of I agree, dude. Like so, fucking ad. Um, I agree. Like, um, yes, it's essentially a trial. So, whether you're on the right or whether you're on the left, even though I might not agree with what the right is doing, if if you do some, if you actually stand up for your cause, even if I don't agree with your cause, I'm not really talking about civil war, but I'm just talking about like you do like a protest, a peaceful protest or whatever, then that's fine. Like if if Matt Walsh and his group want to do a peaceful protest or liberals want to do a pro- peaceful protest somewhere, I don't really give a shit. Like that's not that big of a deal to me. Like you said, it was on the road to like burning man i think out in the nevada desert so it was in the middle of nowhere i could see how it could be an issue if you try and do this in like the middle of a fucking busy freeway or like that would just be dumb also realistically Um, as well i don't know if there's some reason they couldn't but you could just drive around that block it like there's a lot of free space where it's just sand yeah i'm not gonna lie either like i would be annoyed if i was trying i mean like obviously i just drive around it yeah just drive around it or I mean, that's kind of like the hard thing about this particular issue is it's like, it would be fucking annoying. I would drive around it, but it would all be right. So this, annoying. it would be annoying if you're trying to get somewhere like, oh, we have to agree with them there. But so Jordan Peterson talks about his quarter on social media. So I don't know if you know about this. I'm assuming you do, right? Did you listen to this whole podcast or no? Not the whole, I can, I can only listen to so much Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess he goes into his quarter social media, which I agree. 
Well, I mean, the court ordered social media thing is kind of weird. It's kind of like a slap on the wrist type thing, but it's like, I feel like he probably, in order to be like a professor or like a psychologist, he probably, like, they probably really realistically don't want him tweeting crazy shit, right? Just like if he was working for a company. Probably not, but it's also, so in this, I know in the podcast, he claims that the reason that he's being, um, this is happening is because of his political stance. And it's not just because of his political stance. Obviously, he said some kind of crazy things around trans people. And you can say that's political, but it's also actually a medical uh, debate topic, which we've talked about before on this podcast. It's actually a medical issue, not a political issue. Um, But then also, on top of that, talking about... um, In his book, 12 Rules for Life, he goes over um, some things that he's, you know... He goes through some things his clients have went through, which is allowed if you, you know, you give your clients the right amount of privacy uh, when you do it and you don't give out any identifiable information. But people, the patients he's talked about um, came out and said that, like, you know, it was very, they they were identifiable in the way he talked about them. Um, Oh, wow. And so that's another one of the things is he failed to, properly protect the anonymity of his patients which that's a big deal like he could actually yeah. get in legal trouble for that but it's yeah. not just it's not just his political views maybe that's a part of it and i do agree if that is a part of it that is kind that is pretty messed up i will agree there however when it comes to those things you fully deserve to be under scrutiny for that yeah, how I mean, how much do you think he's worth at this point? I mean, he's got to be fucking. So lo- it, he could lose that. He'll still be worth shitloads. I mean, if you had to guess, for like 10, 10 or twenty million, I reckon. Yeah, he's got to at least be t- at ten million at least. Because I mean, he's one of the most. He's got to be one of the most popular people on the yeah, internet, well, right? He, he sells out. He sells out venues and like of people, you know. Like he sells like huge venues. He does a lot of podcasts. He makes a lot of content. I mean, he probably has merch. Um, he he sells that like that program he has, doesn't he? I actually have that. I didn't. I haven't finished it. I haven't like really went through it. But he has that uh, program for like setting out your life, doesn't he? I forgot what it's called. Um, but my friend gifted me it. Uh, so I, I would. Know. We should. We should go over that. It's is it a video can, or is yeah. it a book? Uh, no, it's a so it's like a. I don't know what happens by the end of it, but it's like kind of like a worksheet. I don't know if you could really, you can. I don't know if we'd be allowed to go over the questions. Um, but essentially, you answer a bunch of like questions and things that you want to do with your life, da, 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 and then it's meant to help you map out your life and your future, and also map out your past what you do want what you don't want and that might very well be good i haven't finished it to be honest i still need to finish it but there's no video of him talking it's all just like a worksheet nah, kind it's, of all, it's just yeah it's just like a worksheet but apparently and you have to pay studies, for that you pay for the worksheet my friend paid for it uh and he gave me he had an ex he got one that he could gift to someone and he gifted it to me because that was a big fun was it good at the time um I I haven't I didn't finish it, but I saw I can see its value. There there were studies on it that showed that like it increased students' grade by like a significant amount apparently. But I don't know wow. how. But at the same time, I don't know how like well those studies were kept objective. I don't know if there was some 
maybe foul play, uh, you know, happening, maybe some things that we weren't considering other than that that could have caused it. So who knows? But yeah. apparently it's for whatever reason. Thing. Have you read his book, The 12 Rules for Life? No. No. Um, and he I mean, is he like big in England and like other countries? Because it seems like it almost seems like people I talk to from other countries know who he is more than people I talk to from I mean, he's obviously big here too, but like like my friends don't really know much about him, but like I'll talk with other people on like on this podcast who know who he is. Like, is he big in England? Um I it's hard for me to say because the type of people I hang out with are the type of people to like be into this stuff. So I don't really have a good They are or the people I, I talk to are the type of people who are into like online yeah. personalities like that. So I don't have a good group to base it off. I don't know if the average person is into it, yeah. but I know the type of people I talk to are, but all right, let's just watch the video and then we'll being brought up on you're because... on a trial right now. You're under Yes, it's essentially a trial. You're being brought up on it's a you witch have to trial. social media. <laughs> Re-education. <laughs> Re-education yes. from your province. Yes, Texas. Um, it's, a, it's a professional group, but they have delegated authority from the province. So there are regulated professions. Okay. And engineers, lawyers, physicians, psychologists, social workers, mm -hmm. teachers. There's, there's a few others. And if you're in a regulated profession, there's a professional body that governs co professional conduct to which the public has access in case people He's misbehave. And there. so the Ontario College of Psychologists, it's college as in group, professional group rather than university. And it's the Ontario College of Psychologists. So he's leading like have a decided to pursue orchestra. initially 13 charges against me. They dropped seven. <laughs> Why they dropped those seven is a complete mystery, as is everything else they do. Oh. You can submit a complaint to the College of Psychologists online with a form. And mm -hmm. so what's happened, at least in part, is because that's become so easy. Um, it's become weaponized by activists. So, for example, if you want to cause anybody who's a professional trouble, all you have to do is submit a complaint to the college. The college will look into the complaint, every complaint, and then decide whether they'll proceed. Now, they're not supposed to proceed if the complaints are vexatious or, you know, just troublemaking. But they've decided that me complaining on Twitter about Trudeau, for example, is uh, unprofessional Trudeau. and a disgraced is yep. a disgrace to the profession, which is essentially what I've been charged with, is being oh. a disgrace to the profession. So it's trying so, to hold up what they presume is some esteem of the of the profession. That's the, that's the theory and some professional standards. And, you know, I would say for decades that system actually worked pretty well because the people who sat on it weren't ideologically addled and the public wasn't using it in a weaponized manner. But that's changed completely. And now every professional in Canada and I believe that to be true is essentially without exception, unless they're on the far left, are completely unwilling to ever utter any opinion about anything in the political or their professional realm, especially in relationship to medicine and psychology. So I appealed this ruling. So the ruling essentially is that I have to take social media retraining mm -hmm. with a social media expert and i'd like to make it very clear there is no such thing as there's no profession yes yeah, like the wizard of oz like who is yeah. it going to be is it do you know the expert no i don't that's crazy. no i've, I've got a it? couple of names but i don't even know what defines you as a social media expert and neither does the college and they don't care 
you know, if someone presents themselves as a social media expert, that's good enough. My sense is that if you're a social media expert, you have a podcast with millions of followers yeah. and you're doing just fine on your own and you actually don't need to work for an idiot bureaucracy. But, you know, that's just me. Right. So now... Well, for one, why is he even still working for them? Well, well, this is the thing. It's If you don't... He can... If he leaves... Right. So let me collect my thoughts. He's complaining about being ruled under this idiot bureaucracy, but he could just, if he loses his license, like he can still practice, you know, as a therapist, just not under like, he just has to be like, look, I'm not a licensed therapist, but he is my portfolio. Don't you um, have to be? Don't you have to be a licensed therapist? Like you can't be an unlicensed therapist, right? I don't. Why would you need? I I don't see why you'd need a lot. Like if you said to someone, look, like can I can educated. I just say that I'm a therapist? Well, I don't know if I, I, can. I don't know if I don't you know can, can necessarily. I don't know if you can necessarily use the word therapist, maybe, but like you can basically be like, look, I don't have the license, but I'll help you through your shit if you pay me. Yeah, yeah. He can be like a life coach. I don't know what the role, like what the laws are, but it's like. I'm sure he doesn't need to be a licensed therapist. Like we said, he's, he's rich. Yeah, and he has the reputation yeah. already. Like he's he rich. Just just do a life coach thing and then tell tell people how you think that they should live their lives. And, and then as far as the social media thing, just mellow out a little bit. Like it, it's like what it reminds me of is a 12-year-old who, you know, is being like a bully in class and he's really loud and obnoxious and the, the teachers are like, you got to mellow out. And the kid just like, why? I don't, I don't want to mellow out. I want to keep being crazy. Why, you know, and why shouldn't I, you know, it's like, that's kind of like a common which people theme. are complaining. That's, that's kind of like a, a common theme with a lot of these sort of like, um, conservative, like counterculture people, like, Jordan yeah. Peterson, Elon Musk, uh, Tucker Carlson, they're all kind of like that kid who's like, no, I want to jump on the table. It's like, you can't jump on the table. You're going to fucking hurt yourself. But I want to. Yeah. Bitch. It's like, you can't call me a bitch. Why? Why can't I call you a bitch? You're like, it's offensive. Like, I don't care. I'm caught, you bitch. Like, go to the principal's office. I don't listen to the principal. I'm above that. It's fucking. Yeah. <laughs> And going back to like the Pence thing, I kind of feel like older Republican conservatives used to kind of be more like this, where like they they were following the rules, and then all and like Pence is one of those guys. And now all of a sudden, all all of them have they they just seems like they would just like want to break the rules all the time, you know. And it's like there are rules for like I I'm not big on rules either, and it's like do whatever you want, like. But you gotta understand, like if if Jordan Peterson is like if you're gonna do whatever you want then just you won't be licensed therapist you won't work for the school just open up your own thing like you were saying let's see what yeah. else not only do i have to be re-educated by this social media expert the re-education i have Peterson. to do it at my own expense which you know was neither here nor there in some sense but for an indefinite period of time wow until i've learned whatever the hell lesson i'm supposed to learn and i don't exactly know what lesson that is by their judgment Right. And so, so it's all that. up to them. So it's kind yeah, of this vague thing them. that they've put you into. And they challenged you because they they were upset at things you had said on Twitter. Mostly on online. Twitter. No, well, okay. they also, 
and maybe that that maybe this can happen today somebody submitted the entire transcript of my last conversation with joe rogan as a complaint partly because of what i said about climate change now mm -hmm. i am not a fan of climate change models which i think see are, he's someone who to call them flawed is to bar barely scrape the surface is against climate so change. do you feel like but they're so they're yeah, challenging your things you said on he thinks he has a good authority on that though because yeah he might be a i know i know psychologist but as again he's a licensed psychologist not a fucking climate expert and i know he likes to claim he on that joe rogan episode i think it was he was like i actually i'm a climate expert i worked with da -da -da on da -da -da, but like actually he had like a very small part in it and it wasn't he has no expertise in climate change yeah but like you, you were saying with with vivek the indian guy on the political uh the debates um he was kind of saying climate change is a hoax i think that jordan Peters, I mean, maybe Jordan Peterson doesn't think it's a hoax, but he definitely trash talks, you know, any type of climate well, change ideology or whatever. The, th the thing is, per with climate change, personally, I like it's not even necessarily that I think you can't have an unconventional view of climate change, because I have an unconventional view of climate change in the sense of, well, I think it's real. I'm not, I'm not claiming it's fake, but I also just think it's kind of like, a natural like the way the way things are just naturally progressing i'm not saying we don't have a role in it but i, I don't think i don't kind of freak out about it i think it's just the way things naturally are unfolding um right there's not much we can do about that, it but, right um there may be there may not be i don't know but i i, I don't stress yeah. too much about it because i think as again whatever will happen has to happen the way it happens for things to happen the way that like the way they are um so i don't well, know but i mean you can but the whole thing is with that is like you can make changes like you can like back when you were saying that before i agree with that like the whole evolutionary process just kind of happens naturally whatever happens is you can say correct or whatever but it's like there are still things that we could do to start try and stop it or at least or at least try to at the very least try to prepare for it obviously you yeah, know what i mean I, I, and i feel like just kind of ignoring it and saying well it's coming the the question is, is how much can we do? But yeah, how much can right? we and how much should we do? Like to what? Like my younger sister, for example, she's eleven. She's fucking terrified of climate change. Like kids, yeah, are fucking terrified. It's like it's sad, bro. Like you don't want to be weird. eleven and like it's be like, Fuck, the world's gonna burn and go collapse. Because like yeah, like even if it's true, it's like should we have children growing up? terrified of the world's like armageddon <laughs> like yeah uh, well, well i mean it that that just go yeah that just goes to how realistic is it and it's kind of funny how younger kids are, are terrified of it whereas i think like you said me and you aren't really um i don't know if that's because it's gonna like actually affect them more because they're younger because the young you know the the further it goes on, the worse it's going to get. So it might actually affect her more, even though you guys are only what you guys aren't very far apart. We're like them. eight years apart. It's not. That yeah. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like if I have kids, I might actually want to think like, is this going to affect my kid? And that's part of the problem that I have with the client change thing is it's very hard to get any type of like realistic answer on when it's going to like, shit's really going to hit the fan. Right. Well, like I think 2050 yeah. is like, kind of the, the thing is i don't i don't i don't, I hate all these predictions because i feel like we've heard so many predictions like i feel like 
at one point, I swear there was a prediction where it was like, oh, about 2020. And that's like, I feel like we've had so many, there's been so many predictions about climate change will be irreversible or they will destroy everything by this point or this point. And then it just, it happens and then nothing actually happens like by that point. So it's like, I'm kind of skeptical of whether the predictions are accurate. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have to make change or that things aren't like urgent, but it's just like when you keep making predictions when nothing actually comes of them, like you can understand why people are getting a bit skeptical uh or like yeah yeah kind of not taking them seriously yeah it is kind of fucked up to make predictions when they're not accurate predictions but that's why most most of the scientists when you ask them when when they're like i don't know i can't predict the future but it is getting worse um real quick in 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 terms of and since we're watching theater one in terms of the joe rogan comics or really any comic but i, I kind of want to focus on like, the joe rogan comics who are your favorite guys would you say uh mark norman shane gillis ari shafia um duncan trussell uh yeah those guys i'd say those are my favorites because I've kind of like t- mentioned this before to you, but it's like a lot of these guys that are like really popular and maybe it's just because I am older or I don't get the humor, but I just don't really feel like they're as funny as they're like hyped up to be. And it's like, I haven't probably given them enough like chance, but I it's like, like, I feel like a lot of them have like a lot of them. I agree on like Theo Vaughn. I, I think Theo Vaughn's funny, but I think he's more of a, um personality than like a he's a more of a good personality than a good like stand-up comedian if that makes sense like yeah i feel like a lot of these like stand-up comedians claim to be stand-up comedians when they're like better general comedians as opposed to stand-up comedians um so like you know theo von i think he's a funny person but i think his stand-up isn't as funny as he naturally kind of is on like podcasts and stuff um, Sam, I haven't, I haven't, I guess I haven't seen much of Duncan Trussell's stuff. Um, Joe Rogan's just not, I don't think, I just don't think he's funny in a stand up at all. Yeah, and it's like, no, nobody really does. It seems like nobody really, like, like he's a good podcaster, but nobody really seems to like his stand up. But yeah. like the problem that I have with some of these guys, and once again, maybe I haven't given them enough chance, I, I don't really watch their specials and stuff, but like I'll listen to them on like Joe Rogan's podcast or whatever. Or, and like I've listened to some of Shane Gillis, I've listened to Ari Shafir, I've listened to Tony Hinchcliffe, I've listened to Andrew Sant, you know Andrew Santino, he's one of the other guys. Like, yeah, you know who he is. I haven't listened to his stuff. But no, I, no, no, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah, but like I'll listen to them on a whole podcast, and it's like it's almost like they don't even like make me laugh once, and I'm like, I don't know. It's just like weird. It's like how are I these think... guys like considered to be so funny when? They I just think a don't, lot of it is some hype. of them don't even no, it is. It's all hype, but it's like why? And it's like just because they've been on Joe Rogan, like people like well, them. I don't get it. I think they may not be the funniest standards, but I think they've got good personality, they've got good history. They all come, not all of them, but a large majority of them um come from uh the comedy store back in the day, uh, which is a comedy yeah. club from and like that that is like 
considered as legendary, you know, when it was run by Mitzi, um, which is like Polly Shaw's mother, I think. Um, and like it was just legendary because she'd bring in like these broken fucking people. Like there was this one story, which is like I love this story where Mitz, where some uh, comedian that used to perform at the comedy that would perform at the comedy store, uh, came in, uh, like robbed Mitzi, um, and then drove off, and. There and like I think it was Ari Shafi was like, "What are you gonna do? Are you gonna fire him?" And she was like, "Nah, he's funny." <laughs> so like it was it was just hearing the stories of just how like insanely dedicated Mitzi was to finding the most unique um comics with the most unique backgrounds with the best like comedy of the t- of like that in that kind of like group of people and just the diversity of people just how focused it was on comedy i think just the history behind them is what like kind of gives it this sort of like legendary status but honestly i wouldn't be surprised if it's just a pipe dream of like the golden the the rose gold lenses of like their history being told um to people but i don't know but that they're likable they're likable at the very least which i think is the selling point yeah, yeah. Um, Mark well, Nolan's I think part of- hilarious. He's he's actually an amazing stand-up comic. Mark Nolan. Yeah, I don't Mark- really like. I don't really mind Mark Mark Norman. Like he seems fine, but a lot of these guys just seem kind of like, I don't know. I'm I'm just not that into it. But um, and it's like one of them has like I told you before, like Brennan Schaub and Mark or Brian Callen have that podcast, The Fighter and the Kid. And I feel like people are kind of like starting to realize like some of these guys just aren't funny. Like so, I think that what happens is. If you're basically if you if you went to the comedy store and you're friends with Joe Rogan, and you've been on like like uh, Brendan Schaub has been on Joe Rogan the most times, like fourteen times, because he's a boxer and he's a comedian. And at some point, um, Joe Rogan basically said, you know, I don't think that you should be a boxer anymore. Basically, you're not good enough, but you're really funny. Like going to stand up, he tells people to go into stand up comedy, and like anybody who basically Joe Rogan is kind of given the approval to a lot of them have just gone and got and gotten famous. And I think it's off of essentially Joe Rogan and everybody kind of is coming to realize that that's why you saw that clip of a uh, Tony getting kind of made fun of for that. Um, and it's not only comedy. I mean, this is like Lex Friedman started well, on the Joe yeah, Rogan podcast. It's... it's like anybody who goes on his podcast gets big because it's the, it's the biggest fucking podcast. And if he, if he gives, if he gives you your approval and his fans, then the fans will automatically go and like, watch your shit it's kind of funny in a way because like i think i now that you bring it up like i've mentioned mark norman mark norman doesn't from the comedy star era of things and he's probably uh one of the funnier he's probably i'd say the funniest out of the group of people that are kind of in that space um shane gillis wasn't from the comedy star and he's really fucking funny um so yeah, I, I, it's I think, almost like yeah, the people who aren't from there are funnier than the a, people who are. From, I don't know, but it could just be that I'm in like into like an. It could just be that as I'm, again, I'm into like an older generation of comics, you know. But yeah, as again though, it's um with comedy. I guess to be fair, I did say maybe they're more of a personality, but there is a difference. Yeah, between and that's a comic, but there's a yeah. difference between a comic and a comedian. Where a comic. Uh, I think it was the core is a comic says things that are funny. A comedian says things in a funny way. 
Um, Fuckers didn't care about the student lunch program so, we did. No one reported on that. Yeah. Fuck it. So, like, maybe those guys are don't have the funniest jokes outright, but they can say them and present them in the funniest way because they have the best. They have a good comedic character and all that shit. Um, well, I think that's that's part of the reason why so many of them are like really good podcasters. As you're saying, they're likable guys. People like to watch them just kind of shoot the shit, and that's fine. And but like in terms of comics, like if you watch some of their standups, like it's just not good. It's not nearly on the same level as you know, like Chappelle, Dave Chappelle, or like Bill Burr. Or um... with that being said. I think this guy, Tim Dillon, is probably well, one of the funnier keep guys. In mind, though, keep in mind, to be fair, Dave Chappelle is like, he's been doing it for a long ass time. Bill Burr's yeah, been doing yeah. it for a long ass time. These guys, they are the most popular right now, at least in this scene. They're some of the most popular comedians, but like, they are like, you know, they have nowhere near the amount of experience that those guys have, so they're not going to be anywhere near. But there's like this comedian like Joe List. Joe List is fucking hilarious, and he's kind of in that group. Joe List is hilarious in that group. Mark Norman's hilarious in that group. David Tell is kind of like, in I think he's been on Rogan once. Um, David Tell is you probably you might not even know him. He's a fucking no, I know, legend. I know him. Yeah, I know him, yeah, and like he's he has the special called Skanks for the Memories five years ago hilarious fucking hilarious yeah um, like there are funny as fuck comedians in that circle but obviously there's going to be the good and the bad and obviously some just come down to like different tastes and stuff like i don't think i like about crush i don't think he's that funny but um yeah uh yeah he's another he's another one it's just like his whole his whole like joke is that he's like fat and he like takes his shirt off or whatever it's just like that's like really simple it's like really. I don't. I, don't well, I think, think what's kind of. I don't nice. think Tom Segura is that funny. Like a lot of these guys, I don't even like. You say they have good characters. Like I don't even really find them interesting. Like at all. Like in any I way. Think, like it's just. Like Tom Segura to me is just kind of boring. Yeah, I agree. I don't like Tom Segura, but I think what's nice about a lot of these guys, like the reason I I like watching, but I don't actually watch Joe Rogan much anymore. But back when I'd watch like Joe Rogan with Theo Vaughn or something, right? I'd like take a half tub of acid right and i'd chill out oh shit I'd get a vape i'd have a vape i'd have some like you know i'd just be chilling just vibing the fuck out i'd shove in some joe rogan or i'd get stoned whatever and i'd just like i could just kind of turn off right because when you have these kind of people they're not like they're just they can get away with saying whatever they want to say and it's kind of like refreshing just to hear them kind of bro down i guess they're just kind of broing down and it feels like you can just kind of relax into that like they're just doing very much like bro shit like in that in that sense where it's just like chill it's like not too serious it's silly it's kind of juvenile to a degree you know it's kind of hedonistic they're fucking get they're doing drugs they're getting fucked up like it's it's just like you know it's you can turn off listening to them you can just turn off yeah i think that's what's nice about Uh it I get that, but it's like I kind of feel like anybody should be able to do that. Like I almost feel like anybody who's like kind of funny or kind of has a good personality who can talk could like go on Joe Rogan and do that with him. And I think what what bothers me is is like, and I think that it could be perceived as like jealousy or whatever. But I'm I'm not really jealous because I don't give a shit. Like I'm not like a comedian or anything. But it's like 
why it's I think it bothers me when some of these guys are like hailed as like being so funny when I just I just don't see it. It's almost like they're over well, it's like they're over um overrated kind of, you know. It's just like the thing is and like once again it's it's just it's some of them too it's not like every yeah it's not like all of them but the thing is with comedy is it's like very easy and it's something i have done i try not to do anymore where it's like it's very easy to be like oh well they're they're overrated that um you know but like at the same time it really comes down to the audience and what the audience thinks because i had a conversation earlier about this where like you can have conversations for hours about what makes something funny and is this funny or is that funny but at the end of the day the tr- there is no single individual that can be the arbiter of what is funny it really comes down to what does the how does the crowd respond if the crowds respond positively the a crowd is the closest thing you get to an arbiter of what is funny because they either laugh or they don't laugh and so it's like maybe it seems like from uh, from your perspective on some people and my perspective on some people, it seems like, why does anyone find that funny? Maybe they're not that funny. They're kind of overrated. But if the if there's enough of a crowd that likes it, clearly it's funny. Clearly it's entertaining. Clearly it's something. Um, so, but I, I feel like think, there. I feel like there is. Sorry to cut you off. I I don't think there is such a thing as um overrated comedy. I think it just comes down to what people like but i do feel like there is like a certain amount of like hype for some reason and it's like i feel like what happens is um like i was saying like basically they'll go on the joe rogan podcast they'll be in that joe rogan group of however many people is in that group and they all just kind of like support each other which is which is good um but basically if you just get into that group you get on his show as long as you don't suck, like you're, you're just going to be overhyped. It's like, for instance, like you say, like most people will probably agree that Joe Rogan standup just isn't that good, but like at his shows, people are probably laughing just because it's fucking Joe Rogan. And same with any of these guys that get overhyped. It's like, I mean, comedy is like totally subjective, but I feel like there is really such a thing as being overhyped. You know what I mean? And yeah. But I could be wrong though. I could there could be an like there could be an of, audience out there who just really loves Burt Kreischer stand up or Joe Rogan or Tom Segura. It definitely is. Um, but like I know, the point of like so one thing with stand-up, and you'll see this like across every big comedian. So and it's something Mark Norman talks about. It's like if you watch a Bill Burr special or you watch a David Tell David Tell isn't a good example for that because he's great at open mics but if you watch a bilbo special or a louis ck special or any of these amazing comedians are hilarious um and you put them in an open mic where no one knows who they are i guarantee 99 of those jokes are not going to work with an open mic crowd because that crowd just doesn't know who the comedian is and a lot of the jokes one thing you have to do at an open mic is you have to get the audience on board with you you have to paint an image of you um, and your character to the audience um, and that's the most difficult thing about open mics, um, especially because you don't get that long. Um, and so every comedian, whether it's Bill Burr, whether it's Dave Chappelle, whether it's uh, Louis C.K., even before the way things are now, they have a character built up. Like they have an idea of them built up that when people buy sh- like tickets to see them, 
they may laugh at the things they say, but they wouldn't really say it if anyone else said it. They wouldn't really say it if they didn't already know uh, this person and their character. Um, so you can say that thing for like everyone. There is kind of a certain level of hype around all huge comedians. Um, and that kind of helps that people enjoy the comedy and helps people laugh at it. But that's, I feel like that's part of the art of comedy is you have, you create this, um, uh, you create this world of this character, this kind of character of who you are as this comedic persona. And if you can instill that in like a fucking arena of people, however you manage to do it, whether it's podcasting or whether it's just gaining um, the fame in whichever way Louis C.K. did or anyone like that, um, if whichever way you manage to do that, if you can get the people in there and laughing Whichever way you manage to do that, you've got the crowd laughing, and that's the point. That's the goal. That's the end. Um, kind of. That's what's. That's what you're meant to do, and you've done it. Yeah, I just. I think that, like, you know, I, I hate to use that whole like back in the day thing, but it's like back <laughs> in the day it used to be like really hard to like become a comic. Like, it's like you really had to like, and and it, it and it's fine. Is. Like it. Well, no, it still is really hard to be a comic, but like, I feel like there's a a little bit like a, some of the craft may have like gone away and stuff, and it's just, and it's like this is just in general with art and like because of YouTube and everything, like anybody can just get famous on YouTube, and you you could basically have very little talent. But I feel like there's a lot of people out there who just have very little talent, who are getting I, famous just for like knowing the right people, basically. That's always been it's always been that way with everything though. Like if you know the right yeah. people, you can get big, you can get rich. It's it's as again, there's the old no, saying I know. It's about what I know. you know, it's about who you know. Like it's an that's an old saying. I know, um, but I think I think that it can still bother me that like somebody if somebody's really big and they're just not that good. Oh yeah, that can bother you. But I think when it comes to something like comedy, it's so um yeah. subjective that you can't I don't think you can say well, oh well, they're not that good. Um, yeah. But, let's watch this clip and then we'll, and then we'll wrap it up it just basically yeah. so speaking of these comics a lot of these guys are like going on rogan and like not only comics but other people too and like it almost seems like they're kind of like against ukraine and for russia and to me it's just such a it's such an obvious take of like you know ukraine's just getting bullied by russia like why would you take but it's like some of the stuff that like tim dylan and joe rogan were seeing here was just bothering me when i listened to this podcast and you can let me know what you think but um tim dylan is a guy that i think he is fucking hilarious and i mean like sometimes his podcast even bothers me but it's just him ranting and the whole ranting thing can bother me but let me try and find that clip so the reality is it's been adopted wholesale by the left yes. the people that are always the most skeptical about war well were but i mean if you look at a lot of war doesn't make the worst people in the world were were absolutely in love with the Ukraine. Like the people that, you know, again, the pro-Iraq war, pro- yeah. I know. Yeah. Republican in name only. Yeah, it's for really, sure. It's fat, the, tri the tribal war between yeah. human beings that seemingly will always exist. It'll never end. It's so fascinating how that mindset just takes new forms. 
you yeah. know, and and has the same behavior, the the thing that it hated decades earlier, like on the left, like this this want for war in Ukraine, this trust yes. in the military industrial complex in Ukraine. Like yes. what happened to you guys? Yeah. Like you guys are a totally different thing. Like no one's discussing every the, argument made against rightly the Iraq war yes. and the Afghanistan war. Like what's the plan? Yes. We're gonna be in a quagmire. Yes. You know, the money would be better used at home. All of those arguments were used, you know, at nauseum by people on the left and they were right. And now if you bring up any of those arguments about the Ukraine, you're called heartless. It's weird. You're called a Putin apologist. It's weird. So and it's the weird. The best take on it was This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp oh, and your confidence. Any this <laughs> Trump. Right. When he was doing that, what is her name? Caitlin Collins? I feel like there's a difference here, a difference between Ukraine. Like, I feel like the main reason why left wants to help Ukraine is because they're just getting destroyed by fucking Russia. Well, like it's yeah, because with Iraq, didn't like America. It was a different the, thing. Yeah, America's the one that went was going in there and starting shit with them. Whereas within this case, there just is a war that's happening. That just regardless of what the UK or America does, it's just going to be happening regardless. Um. Whereas with the Iraq war, the America had the option to end it. Here, no one except Russia has the option, um, or maybe Russia and Ukraine, I should say, have the option to end it. Um, like for as long as they want to fight that war, it's going to be fought. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a reason why we shouldn't help the help Ukraine. Maybe there's a reason why. I'm not clued up enough to know whether Ukraine is better or Russia is better because we're in a country that's pro, we're in like a part of the world that's pro-Ukraine. So obviously we're going to be fucking filled with the pro-Ukraine uh, sentiment and every part of the world that's pro-Russia is going to be filled with the pro-Russia anti-Ukraine sentiment. So it's like, it's so much propaganda on both sides that I don't think it's possible for any of us at least civilians to really be informed unless we go deep diving into like the behind the scenes of shit, which I'm not going to do. I haven't done and I won't do. Um, and <laughs> so I'm going to be honest, I don't care enough. Um, but in this case, if, if people are, if you want to take the side of Ukraine, then we, we're going to obviously help Ukraine because the war is going to be happening regardless of what we do. And if we want them to win, then obviously yeah, we're yeah. Well, speaking of like the moral thing that we were talking about either earlier, even though I was saying like there are, there is no wrong and right, there are no morals, but it's like, I feel like the, the moral thing to do is to help Ukraine because they're just getting, from what I know, like you said, neither of us are experts, but I'll just admit to that. But it's like, we're trying to help Ukraine because they're getting just demolished by Russia. They're getting bullied by Russia. And I feel like that is just the right thing to do. Like you were saying with the, um, the Iraq war or whatever, Afghanistan, it was a different scenario. But I feel like a lot of these people are going on to these podcasts like Joe Rogan, and they're kind of creating somewhat of like echo chambers. And a lot of them are just kind of like green with whatever Rogan feels. I mean, I feel like Rogan at this point, nobody really wants to go against Rogan for the most part. Like, not because you think that he's necessarily smarter than you, but 
maybe you're just intimidated by him. He has the biggest fucking podcast, yeah. like I was saying earlier. You want to get on his side. You want to be on his side. So you'll just go on there and it's... agree with whatever he's saying. When I was listening to this, I was just like, I don't know how anybody could take this stance. Yeah, maybe we are spending too much money on Ukraine. Like, that is an issue. But I've actually heard people straight up say, like, why should we trust Eric Weinstein? I heard him on Rogan saying, like, why should we even trust, like, Zelensky? And it's like, he's just trying to fucking defend his country, right? I mean, it's like, and we're trying to help them out. I don't really see any problem with that. Yeah, as a as again, I'm, uh, I fucking this the the countries we are in are obviously going to feed us pro Ukraine anti Russia sentiment, and then vice versa for the other countries. So I'm just, I don't know whether ethically, but it's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious. Well, it's pretty well, obvious. Thing, Ukraine is smaller is, and getting destroyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it seems pretty obvious from our perspective. But we're also obviously going to be fed biased news and i'm not siding with russia here either i think both of them are probably in the wrong in some areas and both of them are probably in the right in some areas because it's never black and white like no no one side is gonna be in the right here most likely they're gonna be right on some things they're gonna be right on other things um but yeah i fucking i i think the sooner this war can end with the least amount of people being harmed the better, regardless of how that has to be done. I feel like that should be the goal of probably what we should be trying to do. I mean, obviously, till then, we do have to, I guess, ensure that people can protect themselves if they're struggling to protect themselves while they're being attacked. But Yeah. Well, I also uh, feel like there is a lot more going on than, than any of us know, counting them. So it's yeah. like they're making decisions based on things that like we don't know. But let's watch a little bit more. And then... Is that what her name is? The journalist that was asking him and she was kind of like trying to say in a gotcha way right who do you, you want to do win? you want ukraine to win this war and he said i, I just want people to stop dying and that yeah. is somehow controversial yeah and that's and because the, it's coming from him right anything that he says no matter how logical it is people are going to uh attack 100 and and that was a very logical statement i just want people to stop dying by the way, about that's the appropriate response to yeah. truly, really every war out there. Yeah, is that there's been no war that really hasn't been won with some type of agreement, treaty, uh, compromise. Right? Most wars uh, have some type of end game where you can go, okay, we got to split up territory, we got to start a provisional government, whatever it is. Now this might be more difficult to do that, but at the end of the day, unending conflict only hurts the people in those countries fighting the wars and becoming victims of the wars. They don't hurt the people here making a lot of money. It's just so sketchy. I don't, the thing is, is I don't really think our goal is, is to go in and like make the war go longer or like kill more people. Right. I mean, unless I'm totally off base, like, well, I don't there think is the whole like factor, the, the, what is it? The arms industries make money off it. There is that whole thing. Yeah, there is, but it's like this is to me a situation where it's like I don't know. I just feel like we're going in to try and prevent to try and stop it. I, I think. I mean, well, I think I don't know. Who knows? I, I think that's wrong, what probably. But I think that's what most people of sound mind probably want. That's probably what most or, people or just assume and power want. But at the same time, we the government's making decisions on this. Fuck! <laughs> I got cut hair in my mouth. Um. Well, um, the gun like motherfuckers are gonna the people selling guns 
Uh, I don't know how fucking corrupt they are. I know they were corrupt enough to interfere with wars in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if they're interfering with wars here by, um, you know, causing more pro-war sentiment and whatnot. Um, but ah, who knows what's happening? This is the thing we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Um, well, and that's the thing is like, and it's and when I was listening to this podcast, and I and I kind of like just turned it what. No, sorry. I when I was watching this, I kind of turned it off during this part because it's like I it was the same thing with COVID with Joe Rogan where he kept talk complaining about her and talking about her, and it was like, dude, like it is what it is to a certain extent. Like, you know, and it's like we can you can be against it or like you can try and fight the system. And I, I don't like I was saying earlier, I don't even think that it's bad to fight the system. But so much of this I kind of just kind of comes down to like them just asking questions and it's like not really doing any, I mean, I guess I would say not doing any good research, but I guess Joe Rogan has had, you know, he obviously has people on who know what they're talking about to talk about it, but I don't know. There's just something that bothers me about some of the conversations that they have, like it's the whole just asking questions thing. And to a certain extent you could say, well, we're just everyone just asking questions, but it's like, um, I feel like it's creating these echo chambers in these podcasts where it's like, if you listen to Brogan and you believe something, if you listen to somebody else, you believe something else. And it's, um, I don't know. There's just something that like just bothers me about it, you know? Um, yeah. But anyways, we've gone on for a while, so we can go ahead and end it. I'll just go ahead and stop the share yeah so i think we covered a good amount yeah we went over quite a good bit thanks I for coming on definitely went over an hour oh for sure i think it's like two yeah, and did. a half two <laughs> so I yeah i had fun so thanks for coming on and next time yeah was like, maybe we can go maybe we can go over like the comedians the clips of the comedians yeah, I'll I'm try to totally get some interesting to clips. I'll try to get some good clips that can spark some conversation, some interesting ones. All right, sounds good. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Bye, guys.